So we are following Jesus. Um, we've been on a journey uh, from uh, Christmas uh, to Easter. Uh, and so we're following Jesus on the way to the cross, uh, which is just in a few weeks' time. And we're working our way through Mark. This idea of following Jesus, uh, I just want to sort of just touch on that a moment. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means to follow Jesus, follow his way. It means that as a, here on Sunday, what we're doing is we're coming together not just to sort of be a Christian group. Uh, we're here to learn how to follow Jesus better. We're learning how to be with Jesus. We're learning how to uh, become like Jesus. We're learning how to do the things that Jesus did. And we're trying to encourage one another on that journey together so that we might grow as his apprentices. So here we have a story, and the question for us is, how is God speaking to each of us today about how we can follow Jesus more closely? What in this story can we each take away to help us grow as followers of Jesus today? What can we take away today that we can apply in our lives tomorrow on Monday, okay? So have that thought in your mind. What are you going to take away from this passage of Jesus feeding the 4,000? So last week, Mary spoke to us from Mark chapter 7. And we were on the other side, quite some distance away from where we are today, uh, on the southeast of Lake Galilee. We were actually on the Mediterranean coast around the towns of Tyre and Sidon. So we've traveled, Jesus has traveled all the way uh, across to Galilee and beyond Galilee to the southeast of Galilee, a place called the Decapolis, which was predominantly a Gentile region and very heavily influenced by, it has sort of strong Greek influence shaped the whole area. He'd been here briefly before, uh, back quite early on, I think in Mark chapter two or thereabouts. Um, uh, and if you remember that story where he, uh, he cast out a legion from this individual, and this herd of pigs rushed down the hillside and into the sea, uh, and then he left again. Um, so they may have remembered that story, but he's also just healed. As he's arrived, he's healed a deaf and mute man in Mark's, uh, end of Mark chapter 7. Uh, and we read, people were overwhelmed and amazed. Uh, he has done everything well, they were saying to one another. And now we have a great crowd is now following him. And they'd been with him for three whole days. Many had traveled great distances to be with him. Jesus knows they're hungry uh, and have nothing to eat. And he has compassion on them because they had remained with him for so long. And he chooses to give them something before they leave. So he summons his disciples uh, and often when Mark says he summons his disciples, something amazing is about to happen. And indeed it does. The disciples reply, how can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? A more literal translation would be, who in this desolate place could possibly satisfy their hunger? You kind of think uh, they're a bit slow, these disciples sometimes, aren't they? And Jesus asks them, how many loaves do you have? They say, seven. He takes the loaves. He gives thanks for the loaves. He breaks the loaves. He gives the loaves. And he gives them to the disciples, and they give them to the multitude. 
the multitude, uh, they eat and they fill. They, they take up all the pieces and they gather seven baskets full. Jesus then sends them away and immediately he travels back across uh, Galilee in a boat, traveling west this time to the other side. So that's a quick, qu- quick recap of the passage. Now Mark loves talking about miracles. He's, you know, the, the thing about Mark's gospel is it's fast-paced, it's action. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. Uh, and he includes apparently 18 uh, miracles uh, in, his, uh, in his gospel. And in the gospels, one of the most well-known of Jesus' miracles is the feeding of the 5,000, as opposed to the 4,000 today. The 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all the gospels. And there's not that many miracles where that's the case. All four gospels have feeding of the 4,000. So the disciples have actually seen this before. You're back in Mark chapter 6. Uh, Mark recounts feeding of the 5,000. And it's interesting to compare the two rec- these two recordings, these two miracles of feeding the multitude. The feeding of the 5,000 took place near Bethsaida, which is the top of Lake Galilee. Uh, and it's a, it's a Jewish area. So this was, uh, the, 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 the audience would have been Jews predominantly. Um, and the people had been with him for one day. And the disciples were the ones who said, well, hang on, these, guys, th- these folk, they're probably hungry. We need to feed them before they leave. Uh, and Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes, and they gather 12 baskets full. In contrast, this story is to the southeast of Galilee, in the wilderness, uh, the desolate places away from villages and towns. Uh, and this is a, a, a Gentile region. So the people, these 4,000, would have been predominantly Gentiles. And they'd been with him for three days. Not just one, three days. And interestingly, is it's Jesus who spots, who says, these people are hungry. It's Jesus who, because they'd been with him for three days, had compassion on them and highlights the need that we need to feed these people. And here he takes seven loaves and some fish, and they gather seven basketfuls afterwards. So three days these people had been with him, and there were 4,000 of them. So I'd like to just spend a bit of time thinking about these people. Who were they? What was going on? And then I want to think about the disciples. So let's start with the crowd, uh, this multitude. They'd been following, remaining, abiding with Jesus for three days in the wilderness, traveling long distances, we're told, without sufficient food. Why do you think they were following Jesus? What were they looking for? What do you think they wanted? Why don't you have a quick chat with a neighbor? What do you think? I mean, this is pretty extraordinary, really. He's only been there once before, and 4,000 people. 4,000 people is a lot of people back in those days. And they were all traveled for three days into the wilderness to be with Jesus, to remain with him, to abide with him. Why? Have a chat with your neighbor and let's see what comes up. Give you a couple of minutes. Off you go.
shout it out. Well, why, why do you think these people were in the wilderness? Let's hear from a few of you. Seeking salvation. Thank you. What else? This was news, something different, interesting. They were curious, maybe. Why else do you think? Maybe they'd heard about the miracles. Maybe they remembered this extraordinary story uh, when all the pigs ran down the side of the hill and this man was extraordinarily healed. They remembered it and thought, maybe I might be healed. Maybe I might experience this. Or maybe I just wanted to see a miracle. Any other thoughts? Hope. It was a pretty tough time living back then. Maybe this was just simply they were looking for hope. Good news. Anything else? Anything over here? It's a bit quiet over here. Uh, Josie. So lots of reasons. So, um, so I've been meeting uh, regularly recently with a spiritual director just to help me uh, on my own following of Jesus and learning, really doing, leaning into that and how can I do more of that and do it better. And, and he's been encouraging me to uh, just read the early chapters of Mark's Gospel, a bit like we've been, and really go into it, but to particularly notice why people seem to come to Jesus, exactly this question. Uh, and just to no notice the way they are. And it's really interesting. You just go back to Mark chapter 1, uh, and you have the, you know, wherever you, almost every verse is Jesus, people coming to Jesus. So the whole Judean countryside, this is just chapter 1, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. The response of the first disciples was that once they left their nets and followed him, a bit later on, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at his door. And then the disciples say, everyone is looking for you. And a little later on, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So yeah, the, thing, the, the, the picture that came to mind was, you know, at school you, you do this little experiment where you have a, a bit of white paper and you pour on all these little... Um, uh, sort of iron filings and you get a magnet and put it underneath and you sort of move it round and all the filing they all point and sort of move around that's the way it, Jesus is wandering around the countryside from Tyre and Sidon all the way over to the Decapolis uh, and uh, and everybody's following him uh, and when I was chatting with Michael about this um, the, the, the spiritual director he said Matthew you know Jesus was simply wonderful to be with and those words really resonated with me. Anyway, it's interesting to think about it. And I, I kind of got thinking about, well, why do I uh, seek out Jesus? Why do I do that? Um, and I wrote down a whole bunch of things in my, in my journal. But some of the things were, uh, you know, I want to be connected. I want to be united with my maker. I want to see him. I want to experience him. I want to be in his presence. Uh, that there's this longing for union with the person, the individual, the, the, the God who made me. Uh, I also, there's a bit of self-interest here. I want to be healed. I, I want to be healed of worry and anxiety that I deal with. I want to be healed of, uh, of some autoimmune illnesses I've got. I want to be healed of my self-orientation. I want to be healed. I want to be healed of... Um, uh, unhealthy attachments. Uh, there are all these things I want to be healed of. 
Um, just one second, I've lost my place. There we go. So there are all these things. I, I, what else do I long for? I long for affirmation and encouragement. I really long to be seen and to be known, deeply known. Uh, I, want, I want meaning and purpose in my life. I, I want freedom. I want to be free of all the things that, all this sort of self-doubt and critical talk of myself. And there are all these things I long for. And that's why I keep seeking out Jesus. Uh, maybe some of those things were on the, the mind of those people, those 4,000 as well. So I want to draw us attention to notice why Jesus had compassion on them. In verse 2, it says, Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Because. Some of the translations don't have that word. It's sort of break it into two sentences. But actually, the, the, I think the, the more literal, the more accurate translations say, put the word because in. Because they have been with me. And the, and the words been with me... Those words have been with me. Other translations use the word remain, abide. In fact, the word that's used here, it has the same root, uh, the word menno, uh, as the same word that Jesus uses in that famous passage in John 15 uh, about the vine and the branches, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain, abide in me and I will remain, abide in you. Remain and abide in me. And this word, it means more than just sort of attending. It, it means deep engagement, deep connection. And it means they've been paying great attention to him for three days. In fact, why would they still be there after three days, especially if they haven't got much food? Mark doesn't often paint crowds in a positive light. Uh, as we're going to see in the next few uh, next few weeks as we get closer to Easter. But here he does, because they've come to see Jesus and Jesus only. They've come to be with Jesus, to remain with Jesus, to abide with Jesus. They weren't here to see a show, I don't think. They were here to be with him, to listen and learn and grow. They were abiding, listening to him. And it's simply because they were doing that, not because they performed, not because they accomplished anything, that Jesus had compassion on them and performed this miracle and fed them. Just because they turned up and remained with him. Isn't that wonderful? Now I find this so convicting. These people stuck with Jesus in the wilderness, even as their stomachs rumbled and their bodies grew weak, Yet I find it hard to remain with Jesus for a few minutes, much less three whole days. I'm preoccupied by many things. Maybe some of those things we were chatting about that we have to do daily. We had quite an interesting conversation down, a cup of coffee, my phone, exercise, um, reading the news, um, watching Netflix in the evening, um, uh, chatting with friends, uh, there's all these things we must do each day. They're very important. The, 
these people remained and abided with Jesus and received his presence, his wisdom, his companionship, his love, his compassion. A few, st- a few years ago, I went on a sort of spiritual, well, it was just a sort of a week-long, it was a spiritual retreat, I guess, in a place called St. Binos in North Wales. And it's a, it's a beautiful place to go. If you're ever looking for uh, a place for a week-long quiet retreat with God, it is, I recommend it to you highly. Uh, and I had a spiritual sort of director, that's what you have. You, so you, it's a guided time where you meet daily with somebody. Uh, And the individual who I was with that week encouraged me to be thinking about remaining in Jesus. Uh, And particularly this passage, John 15, I will remain, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, And he encouraged me um, to reflect on these words by actually going and looking at a vine. So on the hillside above St. Binos, there's a little greenhouse. So I went out and found a small chair, walked up through the rose garden uh, to this little greenhouse uh, and sat inside it. And inside it, there is one thing. It is a vine, a grapevine, and it fills the greenhouse. So I was sitting down in the middle and I spent a couple of hours just sitting there, observing and thinking and reflecting. Uh, on this vine and what it was saying to me, and particularly b- calling to mind the, these beautiful words of Jesus in John 15. Uh, and I found myself sort of drawn to one thing in particular, uh, was, the, was the connecting point between the vine, the main sort of, the main vine, and the branches. Uh, and the vine, if you've ever really studied a, 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 a vine like this, the, the vine itself is ancient. It's gnarled, it's dark, it looks old, it looks wizened, it, it just it's something about it, it just looks ancient and strong and enduring. And then coming out of them, you have the green branches that really do look quite green and quite, quite almost light green. And the branches look slightly tender. And so there's a real contrast between the two. They actually look quite different. You almost think you're looking at two different plants but then they connect. And at the connecting point, of course, that's where they're fused together. They are actually the same. The nutrients flow through that connection. They're deeply connected. They're alive together. And it is in this abiding of the branch and the vine, this remaining, this staying of the branch and the vine, that sustains the branch, that provides it with all it needs to thrive and grow continuously and bear abundant fruit. And there was indeed abundant fruit. As I sat there, I looked up and there were just grapes hanging everywhere. And the grapes all hang from the branches, not from the vine. So it's a very powerful image for me of the power and importance of remaining and abiding and staying with Jesus, as this crowd did. So what makes this difficult for us? Well, let's turn our attention to the disciples. So after Jesus says he has compassion on the crowd because they've remained with him, and that he wants to feed them, the disciples answer, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Uh, this is, seems to be a, this is a surprising thing to say, isn't it? Have they forgotten what happened just two chapters back in Matthew chapter 6 
when Jesus fed the 5,000? Well, apparently, they can only see an impossibility. Uh, they're not even thinking about what Jesus can do. They're forgotten. And, you know, we, when we're reading that, we think, come on, what idiots, come on. Come on, disciples. <laughs> Pull your act together. Get your act together. But am I just not just like them? Are we not just like them? Don't we forget the past provision of God? Don't we factor God out of the equation as we face all of our problems and challenges and the issues of daily living? Even when he's made himself so apparent throughout our life already, even though he's rescued us from sin and death and reconciled us to God. Um, you may find it difficult to believe, but I get anxious. <laughs> I get worried. I get stressed about all sorts of things. Just this week, I've been preoccupied by the conflict, the war in Ukraine, and, and just the state of the world. I, I've been bothered by people's meanness. I, I've had to sort of, I've been dealing with sort of stress and pressures at work and with my clients, um, relational breakdown in my extended family, physical illnesses um, that I deal with but others I know, um, unhealthy habits and attachments that frustrate me and sadden me in my own life. Uh, the, the situation in the Church of England with its General Synod this week. You know, all these things, are, uh, and I have a habit where my first reaction in all of these is not to think, what could Jesus do? It's ju I just start thinking, what can I do? And I very quickly end up in a sort of cycle of worry and anxiety. And then eventually, hopefully, I get knocked out of it and remember, Jesus is with me. If only I remind myself and reconnect and remain with him once again. That's why I love the, uh, the words that always come back to me when I, when I come to my senses, is Jesus' words to Mary when, they were, when he was at Mary and Martha's house, where he has these beautiful, gentle words. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Matthew, Matthew, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And what was Mary doing? Mary was remaining, sitting, abiding with Jesus. Here is our problem. Like the disciples, like the disciples, we can believe in Jesus and forget Jesus at the same time. Passages like this help us remember how wonderful Jesus really is, how wonderful he is to be with, to remain with, to hang out with a while, all the time, each and every day, not just on Sunday for an hour or so. We're prone to spiritual amnesia. We need our fog lifted once in a while, if not all the time, so we can see the view. I think that's why the word remember is found so often, so throughout Scripture. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember that Moses, the Lord's servant, commended you 
Remember his covenant forever. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And as we just did in the early um, service just now, where we took communion, and Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Maybe this is why, well, this is why the spiritual practice of gratitude, giving thanks, remembering what there is to give thanks for, is so important. So where does this leave us? Um, what is Jesus inviting you to act on? Or to keep doing, maybe, as a result of hearing this beautiful and so familiar story of feeding the multitude. So two thoughts maybe in addition to your own. As with the disciples, I believe Jesus wants to bring to our attention our tendency to forget. To forget him amidst all our distractions, the pressures we face, the challenges, the pursuits, uh, the interests, the things we do, all those other daily practices that we have. Um, he wants to remind us, just point out, that we do have a tendency to forget. We tend to forget God. We tend to forget God's love for us expressed on the cross when Jesus, the bread of the world, was taken, broken, given to each of us in the same way that Jesus took and blessed and broke and gave the bread in this story. Jesus wants us to remember Remember, remember, moment to moment, moment to moment, not just here on Sunday, who we really are. Remember that we've been reconciled to our loving God. Remember that we are deeply loved. Remember that we need to stay connected to him to live. So I think Jesus wants us to remind us that we are forgetful people. And to remember but I think with this forgetfulness in mind I think Jesus is inviting us to remain with him to abide with him to stay with him a while each day each day in the Lord's Prayer we say give us our daily bread and in John 6 Jesus says to another crowd I am the bread I am your daily bread I am the bread of life he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus offers to us his presence each day. Each day. He invites us to abide with him each day, to remain with him each day a while, to hang out with him, so that we may be sustained, affirmed, and loved, and refreshed, and encouraged each day, just like the vine and the branches remain in me remain with jesus each day think about all the things you discussed those of you who were here um, when nate said what do you do each day what are those things you practice each day think about all those things you do we had a again we, we had making coffee was pretty high on our list checking social media was pretty high on our list Exercise, 
Getting outside every day was high on our list. What was high on your list? Well, maybe there's one thing that really should be on our list, and it's abiding and remaining and staying with Jesus a while. This is my focus during Lent, and we've been trying to do this in our home group. During Lent and beyond, I hope, I'm trying to get up each day during the season of the Lent at 6.30 a.m., which is pretty early for me, and spend an hour with Jesus, abiding with him, remaining with him, particularly abiding and remaining in his word, in God's word. And so I just invite you, if there's one thing you might do, I'd like to encourage you to read and reflect on God's word and Jesus' wisdom each day. Each day. Abide with Jesus in this way every day. Let me just close in prayer. Loving Father, thank you for your presence with us, not only here on Sunday, but all the time. Help us to turn our minds and our, eye, our thoughts to you each day. Help us to remain with you each day, to abide with you each day, to stay with you a while each day, and so be sustained. Amen.